sometimes our minds get clogged because our emotions are interfering with reason. Other times we are just confused and not sure of exactly what to do. This is because decisions can either make or break us. Join Dele Ayobankole on live transitions today as he shares strategies for making critical life decisions with clarity, confidence and certainty. I understand the fact that we are at a point in our history, in the history of the world where um, crime and wickedness and a whole lot of things are on the rise and people are asking questions. Okay, we're asking lots of questions and the thing is when we get overwhelmed, we ask this question, and what is the church doing? So we come up, some people, I believe they are Christians, they came up with some research, they said in a particular country there are less than 50 churches, yet they are developed. In another country, there are less than 100 countries, yet they are developed. Then they come to Nigeria, they say, in Nigeria alone, Lagos alone, there are more than 10,000 churches. And it's looking like Lagos is the headquarters of crime in the whole world. So it's now looking like, is it the church that is the cause of these problems or what? You know, so um, I may not be able to answer all the questions, but I am going to attempt to answer some of these questions. At the end of um, the next 60 minutes thereabout, I believe that God will birth a dream in someone, a dream to be able to take over the world for Jesus. I believe that someone would catch a revelation, something would shift in you, and you will discover that this is what you are supposed to do for the kingdom of God. So um, let's start from where Jesus started from. Um, when Jesus um, came to establish this tribe that we now call Christianity today, um, his first teaching, there was something he said to the people, and I'm going to start from there, and that's where I took my title from. So I'm going to title this, A City on a Hill. A City on a Hill. So let's read together Matthew 5, um, verse 13 to 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I'll be reading uh, the King James Version. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to, the, to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, Jesus had to teach the people. He had to introduce himself to the people. And the Bible says he sat down and he taught them. And, you know, when we listen to that idiomatic expression, um, you are a city on a hill. So let me try and back down to, um, to us in Nigeria. Okay, um, if, let, for example, if I'm a Yoruba man, and I say that guy, I'm talking to some, about someone, and I say, Okonimeta, you have an idea of what I'm, I'm not trying to say literally that it means that one person is three men. But there is a message behind that idiomatic expression, Okonimeta, Three men, you are calling one person three men. In Yoruba land, it actually means that probably that person is very strong, or the person is very wise, or the person is very crafty, or the person is very skillful. Somehow, the guy has some unusual abilities than some other people in a particular area, and you say, Okorimeta. So when Jesus was saying that expression to the people, there was something he meant which those people understood. Is somebody with me? When he said, you are a city on a hill, it wasn't just another statement to those people in his audience. Are we together? It wasn't just another statement. They understood exactly what it means to be a city on a hill. Is somebody getting me? You know, so um, one of the ways to, when you're studying the Bible, um, one of the things we've learned in, in, in biblical interpretation is that the first appearance of a particular word in the Bible gives us an idea of the meaning of that word. 
Are we together? So they call it the principle of first mention. So um, the first time the word city was mentioned in the Bible was in Genesis chapter 4, verse 17. So what happened then? Cain and Abel had an issue. It's so interesting that the first mother in the Bible has to do with worship. But that's a story for another day. So Cain just finished killing his brother, and the Bible says that he left the presence of the Lord. After um, he, he had this argument back and forth with God, he said, so whoever sees me is going to kill me. And then God said, no, you will not be killed. Okay? So, and then the Bible says he left the presence of the Lord. Let's read that place together. John, um, Genesis 4, um, verse 17. Let's, let's just speak. Let's speak um, that together. Genesis 4, 17. So the Bible says he left the presence of the Lord. Okay, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So this is it. Enoch, um, Cain probably has seen people building houses, but he had committed an offense that was deserving of vengeance. Someone was supposed to also kill him because he had shed blood. But because God gave him a promise that nobody would kill him, God also had to give him the the sense to know what to do to be able to withstand any opposition. So instead of just building a house, instead of just building a hut, Cain went and he built a city. So the point is, why would Cain do that? What does the word city mean in this context? Because if we can understand what it means in this context, then we can have an idea of what city meant to the people in the Bible and how we are supposed to be a city on a hill. Is somebody with me? Okay, so um, uh, let's display this. So that word city that is used in this context is from the Hebrew word context, rather. It's from the Hebrew word oya, which means a place, post, encampment, settlement, or collection of dwellings guarded by a waking or watch, usually with walls. A place, post, encampment, settlement, or collection of dwellings guarded by a waking or watch, usually with walls. So what Cain did was to build a system around himself such that he now had guards, he had what we call today army, you know, what we call today security. So he had, a, he had a watch. So before you could take down Cain, you must at least have taken down his watch. You must have taken down his security. That was what Cain did. And then he built walls around himself so that you can't just take him. The interesting thing is that even God adopted this principle later. Because the Bible made us to understand that when God was giving um, the, um, the law to the children of Israel... He now set out cities of, refuge, cities of refuge, about six of them. So he said that when somebody kills someone and then the person runs to the city of refuge, so he said that this person will be preserved in that city of refuge until the death of the high priest of that time. Is somebody getting me? So what does that word city mean in the time of Jesus? Because when we get this, we will have an understanding of how the people understood what Jesus was trying to say. So I'm laying the foundation here. So in the time of Jesus, this word um, city is from a Greek word, polis. Can we display that, please? It's from a Greek word, polis, which means a town enclosed with a wall. In the time of Jesus, it's from the Greek word polis, which means a town enclosed with a wall. Can we see that between when Cain built a city and the time of Jesus, the meaning has not changed much. Did we see that? So when Jesus was telling the people that you are a city on a hill, they have an understanding that I am supposed to be a system that cannot be taken out. I'm supposed to be a system that cannot be just overridden just like that. Is somebody getting me? So even when they took out Jesus, they couldn't take out the message that he brought they couldn't take out the tribe he was cultivating. 
Why? Because he had built a city. He had built a system. Is somebody getting me? Okay, so let me look at the other part of it as I move on now. So um, the word hill, um, the word hill and mountain in some contexts are used interchangeably. But while doing this study, I found something very interesting. Because the first time the word hill was mentioned in the Bible, I saw something interesting that I feel that every one of us will learn from. The first time the word heal was mentioned in the Bible is from Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. And I'm going to read that very quickly. I'll read verses 9 to 16. Exodus 17, I'll read from verses 9 through 16. Please, let's display so that all of us can follow. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So that was the first time the word ill was used in the Bible according to the Hebrew context. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and all went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he laid down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there on. And Aaron and all stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the years of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So from that ill, what can we bring or what principles can we draw from the events that happened on that ill? Because if we read through the Bible, I'm just going to touch a few uh, places on that so that I can establish this and then we move on. If we can touch on that, we can learn at least three things from that passage which actually formed the meaning of that word ill to the people of the Bible times. Okay, so one of the things we can pick from this is that the direction of the battle was determined on that hill. So whenever Moses' hands were up, Israel was winning. Whenever his hands were down, they were losing. So the direction of the battle was determined from the top of that hill. So when we have an understanding of what it means to be a city on a hill, then we understand that we can, direct, we can determine the direction of things from when we are at the top of a hill. Is somebody with me? So um, let me give you an example. I know I'm jumping, but I'm, com- I'm still going to come back. Okay, so um, for example, I learned in Rwanda that um, the current president issued just one policy, and in one day, over a thousand churches were closed down with just one policy. That is somebody determining the direction of something from a hill, okay? The direction of the battle, the direction of the war was determined from that hill. Number two, another thing we can pick from here is that the destiny of the Amalekites was defined. So God said, I am going to wipe out the Amalekites. Their destiny was defined. From the top of hills, we can define the destinies of lives. We can determine the destinies of people from the top of hills. When we understand what these things mean, then we understand that we actually have a lot of power in our hands that we are not using as believers. Is somebody with me? The third thing I can pick from there is that the fate of generations unborn was sealed. So the Bible says in verse 16, it said, For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation, from that ill, from the top of that ill, the fate of generations unborn became sealed. So we can now have a picture of what Jesus was trying to tell the people when he said, You are a city on a hill, and you should not be hidden. 
you are a city on a hill because when you understand that you are a system that cannot be taken out and that you have that power to create a system such that you can determine the direction of people's lives, you can determine the direction of people's destinies, then we know that we have this great power in our hands. Is somebody with me today? All right, good. So um, the, the interesting thing is that this concept hasn't changed much even in the time of Jesus. Because in John chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus sat by the well, and then this woman came. Okay? And then they started gisting about husband and all of that. And at a point, the woman changed. He said, you Jews say that it is on this mountain in Jerusalem that we are supposed to worship God. But we believe that it is the other mountain. That's from verse 19 to 21, John chapter 4. And then Jesus said in 24, he said, the time is coming when you will neither have to worship God in this mountain or that mountain. But the, the underlying concept is that people still have to believe that things happen on mountains even at Jesus' time. Is somebody with me? And it's interesting to note that the mountain Jesus was talking about, uh, the woman was talking about, the mountain in Jerusalem was the same place in Genesis 22. The Bible says that God said to Abraham, go, and, go to the mountains of Moriah, to a place that I will show you. In 2 Corinthians 26, uh, oh, sorry, did I, let, let, me, let me pick that. Um, 2 Chronicles, not 2, not 2 Corinthians. So in 2 Chronicles, we now realize that it was on that same mountain that Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, Mount Moriah. It was on that same mountain that the temple was built. So um, the people understood these things. So we just read it and we confess it. I am a city on a hill. That confession should have more meaning to us whenever we say it. We need to understand the concept behind this thing, and that's why um, I'm teaching tonight. And like I said, I just trust God that God will birth a dream in someone tonight, and um, you're going to start, you know, fulfilling um, this, this um, your ill status. Hallelujah. So um, what are the kinds of hills? What are the kinds of hills? Um, I read this book some years ago by Johnny Enlow, um, The Seven Mountain Prophecy. Uh, please, as much as possible, get that book. I will just run through the seven mountains uh, because I don't want to focus on it. Uh, I just want to bring out some things from there. One of the things he said in the book is that we have seven um, general classes of, um, of spheres of influence. And I'll just touch down on it and move on. So he talked about the mountain of family. Uh, this is where social interactions take place, um, relationships and all. Um, this is the mountain or the hill for building emotional stability. Okay, so um, when God created man, he created us in families because he, need, he knows that for us to be able uh, to manifest the kind of life he has given us to live, we must be able to um, have that emotional stability. But you know what Satan has done? Satan is now redefining the concept of family so that people would not have this kind of stability they are supposed to have, so that people would not have the kind of love they are supposed to experience in the concept or in the context of families. So we have a lot of people um, um, living outside of, of their homes. We have a lot of um, separations going on. In the original design of God, it is not so. Is somebody with me? So um, whether it is right or wrong, we shouldn't um, belabor that. But the fact is that the Bible says in Malachi, it said God ate divorce. Do we understand? So it means that in the original plan of God, it is not so. Some other things have happened that we now have to fight in our time and in our generation. But in the original design of God, we are supposed to live together. That's why when a man and a woman comes together, there's this bond that brings them together. You know, there's love and all of that. After some time, some degeneration happens, and then they're not having that feeling again. But the fact is that there is this place where God wants to raise and breed the next generation, and it's through families. Is somebody getting me? So um, we need to understand that. Then the second one is the mountain of government or politics. In fact, this one is looking like the most 
powerful of all the mountains now because um, the people in government determine um, the policies that guide people's lives. They determine um, the, the principles or, or what, what people can do or not do. For example, um, if the government decides today that we should not gather today to, uh, like this to worship, do you know that we only shout and shout and shout? After a while, we may not be able to do anything about it. There are some countries of the world today that they used to gather like this before, but they don't gather anymore. Is somebody with me? So who changed all of that is the government. <laughs> you know, while I was um, thinking about this, I just remembered England, or let's say um, the United Kingdom. How big is that country? Just about 230,000 square kilometers. I, I discovered that um, the United Kingdom um, couldn't colonize only 22 countries out of over 200, 200 countries in the world. As small as they were, I'm preaching to you now in English, right? But I've never been to UK. <laughs> that is, I don't know if somebody's getting something. Someone has successfully taken their mountain and they are dominating how we think, how we behave, how we dress, how we do things. Are we getting something? So it's the same way God has given us that power to also be able to dominate, and I'm still going to get there. Okay, so um, we have the mountain of economy. This determines the purchasing power of people, and it also limits their decisions and choices. So um, if a government wants to control um, people's choices, they just make it difficult to do business, that's all. When you don't have money, you don't have mouth. <laughs> so the, 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 this is where people uh, have decisions. They, they can make choices. This is the mountain that controls them. Then we have the mountain of media and technology. This shapes what people think by projecting to them what they should see, hear, and talk about. So we have the mountain of media. Uh, the media people said that they only reflect the society, but the reality is that they actually tell us what to do because it is what you are looking that you are becoming. Praise God. I'm still going to talk about that. Then there's the mountain of celebration, entertainment. Uh, that's entertainment, art, sports, recreation. Um, this is a place where there's expression of talent. This captures the art of the younger generation, and we should pay attention to that. So um, the future of a people is largely determined by what happens on this mountain, the mountain of entertainment. So when we say, ah, our young people are doing this, they are doing that, they are, check what they are seeing from all these, they are stars, from all these, they are celebrities. Then you can determine or guess how the future will look like. Is somebody getting me? So, and then we have the mountain of education or enlightenment. This shifts how people process information, solves problems, and adapt to their environment. That's the mountain of education. And the last one is the mountain of religion, and that is where we are, the pastors, the churches. Um, this determines what people think about God, humanity, and their interactions with one another. So what we try to do in church is to shape um, the way we think about God, or what we think about God, and that, and that should reflect in our relationships with one another. That's what the mountain of religion is all about. You know, but with respect to these mountains, um, I, there are people who are lost in the middle of nowhere. They are blinded by their quest for survival. They don't even know what to do. There are some who are not even aware that these mountains exist because they lack enough exposure. There are people who never get anywhere close to the mountain, there are some who are on the journey to discovering their mountain but have the, because they have some information into the sphere of influence. But the three ones I want to major on as we go on in this um, our discussion are these three categories of people. If you can display that, I will appreciate it. So there are people who operate at the base of the mountain. There are people who operate at the middle of the mountain. And there are few who operate at the top of the mountain. 
So for those who operate at the base of the mountain, and the truth is that in any generation and any time, there will always be more people at the base of the mountain. So this is where one-on-one engagement takes place, at the base of the mountain. This is where you get to um, interact with people one-on-one. For example, um, someone who um, uh, is an employee in an organization or someone who um, a front, a, a front line, a front desk person, a customer service person, a marketer, you get to interact with people one-on-one. You are the base of the mountain. When we get to the middle of the mountain, um, this is someone who has been able to uh, build some influence and then um, he already have other people that are following him. So people like these are probably senior managers, business owners, directors, permanent secretaries, some people in um, holding um, government positions. Um, already you have crossed that part of just interacting one-on-one with people, and then you already have people that are also listening to you. Somehow you are above the base, you are quite close to the top, but you are not yet at the top because you are not a decision maker. Is somebody with me? So um, for people who operate at the top, there are people who have massive influence through determining what fills people's minds. They help to shape, shape mindsets and they help to determine the future. So for example, a business executive, um, a political party leader, that's someone that operates, um, someone who has a conglomerate, a policymaker. These are people who operate at the top. So the question I want to ask is, what has eels or mountains, what has it got to do with soul winning? So I will spend um, some, some few minutes on this, and then we'll go into the last part of this. So um, if we look at what Jesus said in verse 16, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let, sorry, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That word glorify that is used in that context is from the Greek word doxazo, which means to render or esteem glorious, to honor, to magnify. Let me take it again. To render or esteem glorious, to honor or to magnify. Now, this is the thing. Number one, who or whatever inspires the works is rendered glorious, esteemed, honored, and magnified by people. Let me take that again. Who or whatever inspires the works is rendered glorious, esteemed, honored, and magnified by people. So, what has this got to do with soul winning? Um, I, for example, let's assume I'm a business executive, and then people ask me, how do you do these things? And you say, wow, it is by self-effort. And then you tell people, I am self-made. That is a, um, a school of thought that has been around for a while. People talk about self-made, and they tell you, look inside you, you've got it. It's in you. You, are, you believe in yourself, um, um, encourage yourself, do this to yourself. So we have a school of thought that has so much promoted self that people begin to glorify self, esteem self, honor self. For some other people, what inspires their works is not self. And we see it in their videos. When they do some video and then you see smoke, um, at, at the last ALC, T.Y. Bello said there was a time yeah, she was with some creatives, if we, if we can remember, and she said they were taking some things to enter the, the realm of creativity. Can we remember that? And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be not filled with wine, in which is dissipation. So there's actually something you can take to make you enter that realm. So some people take those things and they enter the realm of creativity. They come up with some crazy dance styles. And we even dance them in church, praise God. But that's not the problem. (laughs) But the problem is, what is inspiring that work? Because what inspires that work will be esteemed, will be glorified, will be honored. Is somebody getting me? So, thank you for that. So, when you see young people, and then we say, ah, our teenagers are doing drugs, they are doing this. Remember, on the mountain of entertainment, 
a lot of young people, if we can remember when we were teenagers, we were always singing the Domwen, no, did I say Domwen? Uh, the uh, Celine Dion, Maria Carey, can you remember? Those were the, the hot cakes in our own time. We didn't have much Nigerian musicians then. But those were the songs we were singing because that was the in thing, the B.I.G., the Tupac, can we remember East Side, West Side? <laughs> Praise God. You know, those were the songs we were singing when we, because whatever is on the mountain of entertainment, we capture the art of the young people. And who is inspiring the works that those guys are pushing out? That is what they will esteem. That is what they will glorify. That is what they will honor. So um, for us as believers, how much of those works are we showing to people? such that when they ask us, how are you doing, they say, it's the Holy Spirit. Because if we have more successful people out there that are saying, I am doing this thing by the Spirit of God, then you see more people honoring the Spirit, esteeming the Spirit, glorifying the Spirit. So whatever inspires the works, whoever inspires the works is what people glorify. Number two. People become drawn or attracted to the objects that they esteem, honor, and magnify. So, like we said, people are honoring this thing, esteeming it. They become drawn to it. It's natural. It's natural. When Jesus was on earth, people saw the things he was doing. And then at, at some point, even disciples went to him and said, Master, teach us to pray. So they were trying to look out for, Master, how are you doing this thing? They knew that Jesus got all these things through his prayer life. And they said, teach us to pray. We also want to be able to do this. Are we together, people? So um, that is what people get drawn to. So as believers, if we are esteeming the person of the Holy Spirit, and we are pushing the person of the Holy Spirit out there, people get drawn to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, do in a different context. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw men to myself. He was talking about his death, but if we take it um, literally, simply, whatever we lift up is what we draw men to God. So the question is, as a church, when we're asking that question, what is the church doing? Let me ask you, who are you esteeming out there? Number three, whoever people get attracted to is the one people worship. Some people can die for their celebrity. <laughs> I'm telling you. I've seen some videos when Michael Jackson was alive, people fainting in the audience. Has anybody seen it? Some people faint. Hey, just the fact that they could see Michael Jackson on stage, they just faint. <laughs> they just faint. Hey! <laughs> Whoever people get attracted to is the one people worship. So if we are talking about soul winning, investing people, the point is how much do we allow the Holy Spirit to use us so that people can become attracted to us, so that people can desire to be like us? Is somebody getting me? So the fourth point I, will, I want to bring out here is whoever people worship is who they follow. Whoever people worship is who they follow. Now, I want to give us an assignment, if you can. People are asking, what is the church? What is the church doing? That question, at times, when I just, when I just hear that question. So now, listen. Let me give you this research work to go and do. Look at all the uh, popular pastors that we have in, in Nigeria and all the churches put together. Then look at their social media followers. Okay. Then look at the guys that we say they are corrupting our children. <laughs> then look at their numbers and add it together. Then it will give you an idea who people are following. Is somebody with me? Uh, it will just give you an idea. So many of those guys also come to church, but they only spend today just two hours in church. On Sunday, just one hour, 15 minutes. And then the remaining how many hours in the week, we follow these guys. So that leads me to the last point. Whoever people follow is who they are becoming. Whoever people follow is who they are becoming. So if we want people to become like Jesus, we need to be able to position ourselves in such a way that people want to follow us. It is when they follow us that they become like Jesus. So Paul said, follow me as, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The point is, who is imitating you? 
Are we together, people? So if we want to win the next generation for Jesus, we need to be able to position ourselves in such a way that they want to be like us because it is who people follow that people become. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says, as we behold him in a glass, we are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. What are people beholding? Or who are people beholding? Is someone getting me tonight? Are we on the same page? So um, that takes me to the last part of my teaching today. How can I manifest my city on a hill status? How can I manifest that status? Because that's where the real work is. Praise God. So the first thing I will say is this. Find your mountain. Find your hill. Find your hill. Find your mountain. Last month, we talked about um, service series, discovering your assignment and all of that. Um, I won't belabor that. You need to get the messages from last, last month and then ask yourself, where am I positioned to operate from? So is it the mountain of family, the mountain of, of, of education, the mountain of media, the mountain of, of, um, of, uh, of uh, politics or government, the mountain of education? You need to find your mountain, and that's important. That's the first step. You know, and then when you find your mountain, this is very important, you need to believe that you can dominate that mountain. You need to believe that you can take that mountain. It's very easy to get carried away by people who are already operating in those fears. Say, hey, this guy has 10 million followers. How can I do it? You know, you, are, you just get easily uh, carried away. But I like the story of Joshua in Joshua chapter 14, of Caleb in Joshua chapter 14. So the Bible says that Joshua went to meet Caleb. Uh, Caleb went to meet Joshua. And he said that when Moses was still around, there was this mountain that he, he, he promised me. And then he told him, he said, give me this mountain. Let's read that, please. Very, very interesting place to read. Joshua, Joshua chapter 14. Let's read together. Joshua 14, I will read verses 10 to 12. Joshua 14. So the Bible says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to go in. Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou addest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great. Did you see city again? That the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. The Anakims were not just ordinary people. They were giants. And Caleb was 85 years old. And he was bragging to Joshua. He said, as my strength was 45 years ago, so is my strength now. I can take those guys. Give me the mountain. Give the word. And I'm going to take them out. So I'm, going to, I'm just telling someone today, you can take them out. You don't have to do it their own way. You don't have to be inspired by the same thing that inspires them. But you have what it takes to take them out if only you can believe in what you carry. You've got what it takes. So, number two, have a message. Have a message. So we see in, in, um, in the time of Jesus, Matthew 4, the Bible says that, and Jesus went about, he was teaching them about the kingdom. It was teaching them, you must have a message. Because what people will buy into, essentially, is the message that you have. Praise God. Don't just strive to be heard or known. Sell an ideology. Have a message. Be more concerned about being relevant in the long term. Be more concerned about being relevant in the long term, and that's very important. So you see a lot of people, they just come out, they just do some crazy things that align with the mind of the moment, and then they just come maybe two months, three months after that, you don't hear about them again. But there are some people we call evergreen. 
by October, we start hearing this song. Oh, do not so queen over Valley. How many of us have heard that song before? Okay. Now, that is what we call evergreen. There is a message in that song that whenever you are getting to the end of a year, you know that, wow, um, there's a new season coming ahead, and then you are praying for yourself. That's evergreen. Choose to be relevant on the long term. There are some songs we were singing in our own generation when we were in secondary school, that this generation don't know anything about. If you mention some artists, it's as if they have died. They are still alive, though. <laughs> it's because we are not building for the long term. Is somebody with me? It's as if, <laughs> you know, so... Be more concerned about being relevant in the long term. And one of the things that can help in selling your message is take on and challenge wrong popular thinking. So when Jesus was teaching, he said, you have heard, but now I say. You have heard, but now I say. You know the funny thing is that some mafians use that thing and they get popular with it. Challenge wrong popular thinking. Because you need to take the battle to the enemy where it is is hottest. Challenge wrong, say, this is what the Bible says, and then you challenge wrong popular thinking. So you are taking the battle there, and then you're selling the message that God has given you. So the the third um, thing here in manifesting your city on the ill status is that build a system. Build a system. So in Matthew 4, the Bible says that um, in, um, from verse 18, let's, let's read that please. Matthew 4, um, 18 to 22. Let's see what Jesus did. In Matthew 4, 18 to 22, the Bible says, and um, um, let's read that, Matthew 4, 18 to 22. Okay, so the Bible says, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called uh, called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting net into the sea, for they were fishers. Okay, so let's go to the next verse. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, and they straightway left their net and followed him. All right, and going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their net, and he called them. All right. And they immediately left the sheep and their father and followed him. Build a system. There's a little you can do all by yourself. Remember where we started from. If Cain had only built a hut, the avenger could easily go in and take him down and take him out. So what did Cain do? He built a city. In having a city, you have different teams. He has a watch probably they will be running shifts. So some people will be awake during the day, some people will be awake during, at night. You know, probably they, so he built a system around himself such that before you can take him out, you must have first taken out all the people that surround him. Build a system around yourself. Of course, you might have to start some things all by yourself, but there is a little you can do all alone. One of us cannot be smarter than all of us. Some people will say it's contextual. (laughs) But the reality is that we can achieve more together. So you need to learn to build a system around yourself. And building a system, I would say, dream big. Have a dream to be at the top of the mountain so that even if you don't get to the top, eventually you'll be somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Is somebody with me? Have a big dream. Don't just dream to survive. Dream to thrive. Don't just dream for yourself and your family. Dream for your generation. Is somebody with me? See, one of the reasons why God trusted Abraham in Genesis 18, the Bible says God said, um, will I now um, do something and I will not reveal it to Abraham, my servant. He said, see that he will command his children after him. So God had seen the art of Abraham 
And he knew that whatever he was going to commit to his ends will not just end with him. It will go from one generation to another. So today we can say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It was a generational thing. We have to think generations. Is somebody with me? Then in building a system, document what works. Document what works. One of our problems in Africa is that we don't have a good documenting system. And then our elders will tell us that what you use to senior somebody, you don't show them. <laughs> so there were some discoveries they made in their generation, but we can't, we can't do anything with those things because they were not documented. They were not handed over to us. So each generation now has to start all over. Every generation is supposed to be an improvement of the previous. So the people that documented their own, they now come and sell their products to us. We are now using it to do multi-level marketing. Their own discoveries of hundreds of years that they have passed from one generation to another. We also have those things. We also have them. I remember when I was growing up, there was this leaf. Whenever we go to the sun, we play football and we're having a headache. My grandma would ask us to go and cut one particular leaf. And she would just rub it on our forehead. In two minutes, the headache is gone. You know? And those are secrets that can move from one generation to another generation. We can now improve on it and turn it to tablets. We can improve on it. I don't know if somebody is getting something. That's what other people are doing that is working for them, but we have to keep starting all over again. Stop hoarding information. So, and in building a system, you need to have a structure and a model that works. A model should be something that creates value for everybody in the chain. So you need to learn to create models around whatever you do. Have a structure around whatever you do because you are building a system that will outlive you. So number four, leverage platforms. Leverage platforms. Number four, leverage platforms. You need to know where your customers are. And then you must be able to speak their language. Leverage platform. We talked about um, the the ill of of um, of media and technology. Um, last year or two years ago, there was a song that was released by one of these our young uh, guys, and the song was banned on our airwaves. But that song was on YouTube, <laughs> and because the song was banned, people were going to look for it. That why did they ban that song? So the song even has more views on YouTube than it would have done on our airwaves. We must learn to leverage platforms that shape people's minds and people's thinking. And I'll also say this. If we are going to take over the mindset of people as Christians, we must also invest in those platforms. See, if you want to tell people and say, today I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know what you just did? Somehow, there's a resistance that gets built in people. They just reject you. But you do a movie, and then you show one aspect of Jesus in that movie. And then people just watch it. Oh, so that Jesus is not that bad. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and then you do another movie. You show another aspect of Jesus. Hey, yeah, that Jesus is not that bad. Hey, yeah. So somebody is already liking Jesus because you are creating something that uh, we call in psychology breaking down conscious resistance. So when eventually somebody goes to meet that guy and says, do you know that Jesus loves you? Say, yeah, 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 I've, I've seen it in, in one movie like that. Do you know how, the, how they change our sexual orientation? They introduced it through movies. And then we saw one say, hey, yeah, we first, the, the first Same probably you saw in a movie, you would fight it. How can they do that? But after some time, say, and it's not that bad, though. (laughs) That's how they began to change our sexual orientation by introducing it. So if we are saying, what is the church doing? Take your money and invest in those platforms. 
There's one that is running now. People are, are, are shouting. They say, hey, they are promoting immorality. How can they be showing it on TV? Blah, 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 blah. It's a pay TV. You have a choice to watch or not to watch. Then number two is how much are they giving them? That's one Christian businessman. Are we saying that we don't have creative people in the church that can come up with a reality TV show that people will want to watch, that will promote the right values? How much is 60 million era for crying out loud? We have. <laughs> See, we have successful businessmen that can sponsor creative, creative reality shows that will capture the art of young men and that people would want to watch. Look at someone like Tyler Perry doing an amazing, fantastic job. Is doing something. Is doing something on the mountain of entertainment. Is promoting Christian values, and we are still watching those movies. Even people, I, I, I once heard about the Passion of the Christ. How do we know? We know that the people who did the Passion of the Christ are not Christians, right? But you know how much impact that movie had on the conscience of America when it was released. Is somebody getting me? So that is a direct movie, right? But because of the creativity, the level of thinking that went into it, people just wanted to watch that movie. Is somebody getting me? We need to invest. See, put your money where your mouth is. Don't say, all these things, all these things. We will talk and talk. What is the church doing? Then we will go to the world and support people who are uh, doing all the things we don't want our children to be doing. And we will still give them money and make them our brand ambassadors. Put your money where your mouth is. Invest heavily in those platforms. So if we want people to think in a particular way, let's give them the content to think about. So you go to uh, most of our radio stations, they don't play gospel songs, maybe except on Sundays. And then you are asking, why are they not playing it? We need people who will invest in Christian music and then push it out to those people. If the money they are getting is from the church or from Christians like you and me, they don't have a choice than to play those songs. It's because, um, like they say, whoever pays the piper, they pays the tune. So who is paying those pipers? Put your money where your mouth is. Invest heavily in those platforms. If we're going to take over the world, change how people think, change how people see things, then we have to invest in those platforms. We have to invest there. Number five, solve people's problems. So we need to understand the pain-pleasure principle, okay? People are either running away from pain or they are running towards pleasure. That's why somebody would um, do a show for just two hours, a table for four, 10 million naira, just to go and laugh away your sorrows. And people go there, why? Because they are trying to run away from something. It's stressful out there. There's a lot of pain out there. These two hours can give me something that I may not be able to get out there. So if it's going to cost me 10 million, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to invest in it. Are we together, people? You know, so um, we need to understand this pain, um, pleasure principle. The Bible says that Jesus was healing the sick. He was raising the dead, casting out devils. He was solving their problems. Platforms will give us opportunity to attract people. When they come to us, we should be able to solve their problems. That is what we make them to be committed to us. That's what we make them to be loyal to us. That's what we make them to stay with us on the long term. Are we together, people? So solve people's problems. Number five, cultivate a tribe. Cultivate a tribe. Enlist others. Enlist others and have a, bride, have a tribe identity. So in the, in the book of Acts chapter 11, the Bible says they saw um, this group of people and the Bible says they called them Christians because they were behaving like Christ. There is an identity of Christ that they could see in those people. I remember, um, was it 2015? Um, I wasn't a pastor then. I, where I was working, I was working in a church uh, management, um, a, a church consulting firm, 
So there was this church. Um, we went to do marketing that day, you know, and then it was um, an Anglican church somewhere around Ojudu, if I can remember. So um, the vicar was inside, uh, was in the inner office, and then I was talking to the secretary. Just as I walked in, the man looked up and he motioned to me. So he told the secretary, please let him in, let him in. So I was wondering, I've never met this guy, and then he was breaking protocols for me. So when I got to his table, he said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The way you walked in, you walked in like Pastor Sam. Do you attend this style? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, you know, I was just like, how did, how did you know I attend this style? I, sincerely, I can't remember how I walk, and I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know if I walk like Pastor Sam. But the reality is that there was something the man saw that even though I had never met him before, I would never spoken to him before, he just said, you're working like Pastor Sam. Have a tribe identity. Let people be able to see someone and say, that's a product of Mr. So-so-so. That's a product of so-so company. Let people be able to boast about you. So they saw them, they said, these are Christians. Is somebody with me? So you need to build a tribe. So the more of you you can reproduce, the more mouth that you have. Like we say here, you get mouth. The more mouth you have, when you have, you can reproduce more of you. So even when they take you out, they cannot take out the people you have reproduced. Build a tribe. Build a tribe. That's how we are going to dominate these mountains. Then the last one um, is... Empower others. Empower others. So in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10, the Bible says that Jesus called the disciples together, and the Bible says he gave them power to go out. So he said he paired them in two by two. He sent them out to, be, uh, to go out there. And then, um, uh, so he, whatever he could also do, he gave them the power to do. He said, you the sick, raise the dead. Freely you have given, freely give. So he empowered them. Empower others. Don't let these secrets that God um, has given you to die with you. Empower others. Let them also be able to do what you are doing. You know, there is a, there is a tribe in Nigeria that I like their model a lot. The Hebrew brothers. You know the way they walk? So they take somebody from the village, say, it's my brother. And the guy serves for maybe like 9, 10, 11 years, whatever the agreement. And when the guy's time is, has finished, they will now help the guy to set up his own business. Thus, empowering that person. And then, that one too will now bring somebody from the village. The person will serve with him. Then after a few years, he will also establish that person. That's a model that I think many of us can learn from. Is somebody getting me? So you see that on almost every street, you will see one of our Igbo brothers selling food stuff, selling clothes, selling. It's because they have learned this system. And that's how, so that one will go, go and look for another territory and then start his own, cultivating his own. And that's how, see, we can learn a lot from that model. Empower others. See, a candle loses nothing by lighting other candles. And list others. Um, let people be able to do what you do. When people come to you, help them to solve their own problems, then teach them to be able to solve other people's problems. Praise God. So in closing, I want to read this Bible passage, and we'll be praying in a few minutes. Let's read together Mark 11. It's a very popular passage. Mark 11, I'll read 23 and 24, Mark 11, 23, and 24, and we'll be praying tonight. Praise God. So Jesus said, are we there? Mark 11, 23, and 24. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So I'm going to close with this. So Jesus was teaching a principle here. He told the guy, he said, 
Okay, so um, you now believe that I can do anything. He said, believe. He said, have the faith of God. He said, when you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, um, one of the things we understand that the sea in the Bible often, or water in the Bible often represents the word of God. So he said, you will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you will not doubt in your hearts. Now, what that means is when we look at all those mountains of entertainment, the mountains of education, and then you are saying to that mountain, be removed and be submerged into the sea, be submerged into the word of God, be covered by the word. He said, if you don't doubt but believe, he said, you will have whatever you are saying. So how do you climb these mountains with all those systems? You also have to keep saying, mountain, be moved into the sea, be submerged into the sea. We need to surround and submerge this mountain in the word of God. Be removed and be cast into the sea. You have to keep saying it. He said, if you don't doubt, that mountain will move. So you look at the hill of education, for example, God has called you to operate on that mountain. And you're saying, this mountain, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. And you are speaking the word over that mountain. That mountain will bow to you. And in a matter of days or years or time, you will see yourself operating, being a policy maker on that mountain. Because you are speaking the word to the mountain. So... Tonight, I want us to rise up and pray. I believe, God, that someone has got something. You, you've, you've had a picture of what God wants you to do. You've had a picture of what you are supposed to do to take over the mountain that God has called you to operate on. I want us to just begin to speak the word over those mountains and say, in the name of Jesus, the mountain of education, if that is where God has called you to operate from, and say, I take over. In the name of Jesus, I take over this mountain. Joshua said, he said, I am able to take over this mountain. He said, my strength has not abated. If the Lord is with me, I will drive out those giants, those anarchists that are operating on this mountain. I will drive them out because the Lord is with me. Can you just begin to declare tonight that, Lord, I take over every sphere of influence you have called me to operate from. I take over in the name of Jesus. I shape the mindsets of people for Jesus in the name of Jesus. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I can do all things. Can you begin to decree over yourself tonight? Lord, I receive inspiration. Lord, I receive ideas to be able to take over spheres of influence in the name of Jesus. I receive ideas. I receive insights. I receive insights in the name of Jesus. I receive insights to take over in the name of Jesus. I receive insights. I receive insights. Ideas, ideas on common solutions, on common solutions that will stand me out in the name of Jesus. I receive uncommon solutions, uncommon ideas, uncommon ideas in the name of Jesus. Reba Shandele Boske, Rekekekekeke, Lazunde, E Gradoshke, Lezuketiele, Mashaka Karabazuntiele Boskele, Yeruke, Kekekekeke, Leshende. E gradoshke, mazeke tiele gegegege, yagaga, baruko toshke le zuntie, e brontoshke lebo ye kale mazeka kakaka, magaga, baruko toshe galebo, le brontoshe nde ye leka ye bagagagagaga, mazuko to ya bareke kekekeke. In the name of Jesus, I receive insight, Lord. I receive ideas, inspiration to take over those mountains, to operate at the top to be a policy maker, to define the direction of people's lives, to define the direction of people's destinies in the way of God, in the name of Jesus. I receive insights. I receive ideas. I receive insights. In the name of Jesus, I take over. I take over. I take over. I take over. 
I take over. Mazom bragadoshke. Rekekekekekeke. Lezunde ebranto sherukatiege yebo sukotoye. Marekekekekekekeke. Lashanderebo. Lebranto shekole mosentie leboshke. Merekekekekekekekeke. I am a city on a hill. I cannot be taken out. I cannot be eaten. In the name of Jesus, my light shines to all the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus, I am a city on a hill. I am a city on a hill. Mashekoto zembrelebo ye ge 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 rakoto shande egredo sheketiege lebo sukoto ye marakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakak